take them out and we're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. For those of you that are new or maybe watching online for the first time, we've been in a series called The Best Life Ever. The, the Lord gave me the word best for 2024 back in the fall. And um, the word best not saying that we need to have the best of everything. I don't want you to have the, the newest phone or, or the newest car or the newest house or newest job promotion. I want, I want you to have all those things. I want God to bless you and be in health even as your soul prospers like John said in 3 John 2. But what we're talking about when we say the best life ever is I want God to give me his best for me. I want to live a life that in every moment of every day, when presented with a decision, I choose the best thing. I choose what God calls best. I choose what God says is best. And that could be physically, that could be emotionally, that could be socially, that could be mentally, that could be spiritually. But in every category of my life, as I live my life every day, I want to choose God's best for me. How many are in agreement with that that this past series you've really been asking yourself that question, God, okay, what's best? What's best for my life? What's the best decision to make in this moment? How do, how do I do what is best and most pleasing to you? And the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's not an accident that that word's there. So I fully believe with all my heart, you and I have the ability to choose the best thing every day before God. We don't have to settle for second best. We can choose God's best for each and every one of us. How many believe that this morning? Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 14. Actually, no, we're going to start in verse 11. My bad. Verse 11. You know what? Let's go to verse 9. <laughs> my slides are out of order on my paper, but I see it now. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. Last week, we talked about the best chat ever. We talked about prayer. And Jesus talked about when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites do. And don't pray out loud for all to see. When you pray, let your prayers be in secret before your Father who is in heaven. We talked about prayer, how it's a conversation between us and God. And we talked about how our prayer needs to be intentional. Our prayer needs to be a two-way conversation where we talk and God talks back to us. And we talked about how our prayer is life should be nonstop. At any point in the day, God can speak to me. And at any point of the day, I can speak to God. Can I, can I encourage you this morning? You do not have to wait to get to a church building to spend time with God. You can spend time with your God every single day at any moment of the day. Well, Pastor David, how am I supposed to spend time with God when I'm, in my, when I'm surrounded by a bunch of people? God can speak to you right to your spirit in a crowded room. God can speak to you right to your spirit in the middle of a stadium. God can speak to you right to your spirit when the music's blaring at a Toby Mac concert. God can speak to you right to your spirit any moment, anytime, anywhere. The question is, do you have reception at that moment to hear him? Can you hear him when he calls you? And we had a great time of prayer last week asking God to prepare us and open us up to hear God's call. So Jesus is still kind of in a prayer vein if Jesus goes into verse 9 of chapter 6, and here's how he starts it. He says, pray then like this. A lot of you may have heard this before. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to have the best family ever. The best family ever. Can we pray this morning? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you said that when your word goes forth, it never comes back empty, but that it accomplishes that for which it has been sent. So then right now, Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are pleasing in your sight, for you are my rock, you are my redeemer. To you is all the power, all the glory, all the wisdom, all the wealth, and everything that we can ascribe, we give it to you, Lord Jesus. Have your way this morning, and Holy Spirit, would you now speak and give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. And if you want that, what do you say? Amen. Amen. Best family ever. So many people define family differently. So many people, when you hear the word family, you immediately think of your mom, your dad, your sisters, your brothers. Some of you may broaden it out and go, my family is also my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my second cousins, my third cousins, my fourth cousins, twice removed, my fifth cousins, three times removed. Whatever, whatever your definition is, anybody related to you by blood, you call family. Some people also may have family that they call family that are not related to you by blood at all. There may be people in your life that you, that you maybe have adopted into your family or adopted you into their family, and you can call them dad or mom or brother or sister or cousin, and it just feels natural because to you, they are family. And I'm going to tell you this morning, the same principle is true when it comes to God. And one of the first things I want to tell you right up front in this message is that when it comes to God, we have to look at God as Father. And when it comes to God, we need to understand that we are a family with one Father. As the children of God, we are a family with one Father. I've always loved this passage of Scripture, both here in Matthew and also in Luke, where Jesus goes into more detail about the, about the Lord's Prayer and in all honesty, I know it's called the Lord's Prayer, but it really should be called the Disciples' Prayer because Jesus said, you pray this way. But at the same time, I think he, he did it. He said us for us to pray it that way because he first modeled that's how he prays. And so maybe in, in true essence, we can call it the Lord's Prayer because we're praying like Jesus when we pray. But I've always loved the fact of if you really think about it, church, God could have asked us to approach him and call him any number of things. God could have asked us, and he would have been completely justified and right in his godliness to say, when you come to me, hit your knees and say, king of the universe. When you come to me, bow down with your face to the floor and say, Lord of all lords, king of all kings. When you come to me in your prayer closet, hit your knees, lay flat on the ground, and say, Oh, merciful God, who could strike me dead and leave me laying here, I come to you now in holy reverence. And guess what? He would have been completely justified in asking us to do those things. But I love that Jesus said to his disciples, When you come to your God, the God who made you, the God who formed you, the God who breathed life into you, 
The God who knit you together in your mother's womb. The God who called you by name before you were even born. The God who has a written book of your life, hands you the pencil and says, trace my words or erase it and write your own. The God who loved you so much, he gave his son to die for you and redeem you back from the pit of hell, death and the grave. The God who breathed and created all things that we see, all things that we don't see, every good and perfect thing comes from him. That God, when he asks us to come to him, he says, when you pray, call me Father. Father. If you're waiting on me to say something profound, keep waiting because that's the most profound thing you're going to hear today. That omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, supernatural being, person, called God Almighty, Jehovah, Yeshua, Yahweh, asks us to call him Father. Father. Please let it sink in for a second. I'm not being dramatic here. I'm really trying to give you time to process that. Some of you may be way ahead of me on where I may be going this morning, but I need you to understand this. He's your father. Some of you this morning may immediately hear that word and go, well, I do not know how to relate to that. I didn't have a father. I didn't know my father, or I wish I had not known my father, or I wish I didn't have that father, or I wish I could change fathers. No matter what your definition of father is, the true definition of who your father is supposed to be, it's embodied in your real father. It's embodied in the one who truly gave you life. I thank God for Dwight Holly and Janine Holly, my mother and my dad. But at the end of time, I'm not going to embrace them and say, thank you for giving me life. At the end of time, I'm going to come to the throne of my father. The one who really gave me life, really called me by name, gave me purpose, gave me destiny. We have one father. We have one father, which means if we have one father, we are family. We are family. All of us who call on the name of the Lord and make Jesus our Lord and our Savior, we have immediately become brothers and sisters. We are father with our father. And I love that because then that means at the foot of the cross, it's all level ground. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. At the foot of the cross, there's only one lifted higher. All of us, as I love what Pastor Micah says down at Mark Tree, all of us at the end of the day go back to the servants' quarters. Nobody in this world is higher and more elevated than the king. But those of us that, we, that serve God, we're not called servants. Jesus said, I've called you friends. And not only friends, I've called you family. We have one father. Our father who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Not only that, are we a family with one father. We're a family with one mission. We're family with one mission. Here's our mission. Jesus said it in the very next word. Our Father, hallowed be your name, holy be your name, sanctified be your name. Here's the mission, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission of the family of God. 
The mission of the children of God, of the princes and the princesses of the Most High God, the mission of the family of God is to spread the kingdom and to spread the will of God on earth like it is in heaven. Now, first of all, to understand that, you've got to know what heaven's like. A lot of you may have done studies on heaven. A lot of you may have heard testimonies of heaven. How many of you know that in heaven there's no pain? How many know that in heaven there's no sorrow? In heaven there's no grief. In heaven there's no tears. In heaven there's no death. In heaven there's no sickness. In heaven there's no disease. In heaven there's no brokenness. In heaven there's no divorce. In heaven there's no pain. In heaven there's no abuse. In heaven there's nothing in this world that's broken or a result of sin. Heaven is perfect. And Jesus said, pray to your father that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so Pastor David, then what does that mean? What is our mission? Our mission is to take heaven everywhere we go. You and I are ambassadors of another kingdom. You and I are gateways to another kingdom. There's a whole other sermon here, but did you know you are an access point to heaven? Did you know that heaven can come to earth through you? Did you know that you, because of your walk with Christ, are a gate, a doorway for heaven to come to earth? How is that possible, Pastor David? Because the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, lives in us. The same power, the same holiness, the same graciousness, goodness, and mercy that is in heaven resides in us. The very presence and awesome power and glory of God, we carry it as the children of God, as the family of God. So therefore, everywhere we go in this life, we are supposed to take heaven with us. Are you hearing me this morning? I know this may sound so foreign to so many of you, but I need you to understand this is what Jesus meant. You are not going to go and grab people and bring them to me. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to take me to them. Your job is to take my name to them. Your job is not to bring all the nations of the world. Your job is to go make disciples in all the nations of the world. Are you hearing me this morning? So many times as Christians, we get so complacent and reserved that that's the pastor's job. Or that's the worship pastor's job. Or that's the youth pastor's job. Or that's the children's pastor's job. And my job is to just invite people to church. Yes, I'm so thankful that a lot of you are here because somebody invited you. And that's awesome. But the biggest invitation should be, I don't know what you have. And I don't know where you're from, but it can't be planet Earth because you do not act like a human. You act like you're from somewhere else. There should be something so real about us. There should be literally like we do not belong here because church, we don't. Heaven is our home. Jesus did not come and give his life so you could live an ordinary life. He said, I've come to give you abundant life. I've come to give you a life that looks nothing like this world. I've come to give you a life that's not broken. I've come to give you a life that's not full of sorrow. I've come to give you a life that's not full of pain. I've come to give you a life that's not full of grief. Are you going to experience these things? Yes. But they're not there to be your identity. They're there for you to triumph over. Because greater is he in you than he that's in this world. Are you hearing me this morning?
A lot of you look glazed over like, whoa, this is Greek. This is Hebrew. This is French. (laughs) Whatever language you think I'm speaking right now. But I promise you, you can go look throughout the entire book and see confirmation of everything I'm telling you. When the disciples left Jesus after he commanded them to go make disciples and establish the kingdom of God and spread the will of God in the earth, everywhere they went, change went with them. They turned cities upside down, and if any two of them got in a city, they wrecked it. Their faith was concentrated. Their focus was synced. They had a perfect desire to see God's kingdom established. They knew the will and the word of their master. And everywhere they went, they said, in the kingdom of God, this happens. In the kingdom of God, it's like this. In the kingdom of God, it's like this. And they spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And they spread the kingdom of God everywhere they went. And you and I are sitting in this room today because they knew there was something greater than this world. And they knew they had to obey and take it and because they took it we have Christianity in the North in the North American continent and we have Christianity in the South American continent and we have Christianity in the four corners of the earth and that's why it's so important to understand at any moment he's coming back because he said this gospel excuse me this kingdom this will will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come we're this close Technology has never been greater. The, the, the ability to spread the word of God through podcasts, through TV media, through, through online media, through audio media. The, the word of God is going faster than it ever has before. We're smuggling in technology where people can hear the Bible in their native language that have never heard it before. There are people that are hearing the Bible for the first time in their native language through technology. Where literally we can take the English word of God and put it through a filter and translate it into that language and put it in a technological tablet like a Kindle and give it to them. And they can read and hear the Bible in their native tongue. And these are people that have no access to fresh water, have no access to clean clothing, have no access to to supermarkets or food. But they can get the Bible in their native tongue because technology has been allowed to do that. And thank God for that. But all that means is the more we use it to build the kingdom and spread the kingdom, then that speeds up the timeline. He's coming back. He's coming back. So there needs to be this sense of urgency. Let his kingdom come and let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My brothers and my sisters, are you about the father's business in your life? Are you about the mission God has given you? Go make disciples in all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And when you go, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. And these signs shall follow you who believe. You will cast out demons. You will heal the sick. You will bring life and restoration. You will bring the prop. You'll bring the good news of Jesus. I've given you the mecca, the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing those that, that need a father to the Father where they can become one and we can call them family. Are you with me this morning? Are we about the Father's business? Next thing I want to share with you is because of this, because knowing we're family, that we have one Father and we have one mission, Jesus is very strategic about this. Here's the next thing he says. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are a family with one father, a family with one mission, and we are a family with forgiveness. The kingdom of God, the will of God, the family of God are marked by forgiveness. By forgiveness. This is where it's going to get somber this morning. The mark of a family of God, of the family of God, is we have forgiveness right up front in our hearts. Jesus put it this way in the book of Luke. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anybody slaps you on the one cheek, turn to them the other one as well. If anyone takes your coat, give them your shirt also. If anyone steals what is yours, don't ask for it back again. Do for others as you would have others do for you. For if you only love those who love you, why should you receive a blessing? Even the sinners do that. And if you treat others well who only treat you well, why should you receive a blessing? The sinners do that. But I tell you, love your enemies and do good to them and give expecting nothing back. And you will have a great reward for you will be sons and daughters of the Most High. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Judge not, so you will not be judged. For with the same measure of judgment you judge, it will be judged back to you. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. His words, not mine. But I, I hold too true to his words. Because he's my Lord. He's my King. He redeemed me. And my call is to live like him and spread his kingdom. And in his kingdom, that's how we're supposed to be. But how many of you right now hear that description and go, there's not a lot of people in the church who act that way. Because we are not a family of forgiveness. Therefore, we don't look like our father. But I tell you right now, church, at Refuge West, God has called me to make disciples and spread and preach the word and pray for you and help you become more like Jesus and knowing that God is your father. So if you don't want that, God bless you. But if you want that in your life, please keep coming every week because that's what I'm going to give you. Because God has called me as an ambassador, as a minister of the word, as a pastor, but even more as a son of the Most High God, as a member of the family, that we are called to help each other become a family that forgives. Matter of fact, that's the last blank. We're a family who forgives. We're marked by forgiveness. Now let me please help you understand something. Forgiveness does not mean throw out your brain. Can I please help you understand that? If my son, Nate, who's up there right now with my wife, as if you heard that loud thump a little while ago, that was him getting excited. If he takes my car keys and gets in my car and drives my car into this light pole right here, 
I will forgive him, but he will never touch my car keys ever again. If somebody does something to you, you forgive them as the Lord forgives you. But you use your brain. (laughs) And you hold them accountable for their actions. There's news reports all the time of men and women who do terrible things. What we don't do is all of a sudden become God and go, they deserve to die. Or they deserve to rot in jail. Or they deserve to be under the jail. We are not the judge. He is. And he establishes authority on this earth. He establishes authority. He establishes the president. He establishes the the Congress. He establishes the Supreme Court. He establishes the judges. He establishes the municipalities. He puts into place the authority we have. Our role as the family of God is to submit to authority. So what does that mean? Let them handle it. Let them judge. Let the guy with the black robe behind the bench with a gavel, let him do his job and judge. And pray for him and pray for every authority that you have that they answer to the Most High Judge and do his will on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So what I'm saying to you is immediately within your heart, if someone does something to you, if your favorite actress or actor all of a sudden you find out they are not as good of a person as you thought they were, or your favorite celebrity, singer, or musician, or band all of a sudden says something or does something that now I'm never listening to that person again. I'm never buying their album again. I'm never listening to them on Spotify again. Or if you go to a family reunion and somebody doesn't bring the cookies that you've been looking for since last year and they don't bring them this year, I'm never calling them again. I'm never talking to them again. Or if anybody, God forbid, sits in your spot on a Sunday morning, well, then I'm never coming back to this church again. don't judge forgive because what does forgiveness do it releases you from the problem not them it releases you when you don't forgive you are putting chains on yourself how ridiculous would that be to be walking in earth free in chains who arrested you nobody who condemned you? Nobody. Who, who put this sentence on you? Nobody. I just don't like them. How absurd would that look if you ran into somebody on the street that was doing that? But can I tell you, churches are full of them. The family of God is full of them. People that are holding grudges, that are holding offenses at people when they need to release them into the hands of God and let God do his job and be God and you do your job and be the family of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Judge not so you will not be judged. Now let me please remind you what that means. That means do not take God's place when it comes to sin. Only God can deal with sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. But again, use your brain. If someone does something to you and it hurts you or harms you or or mistreats you, forgive them and release them into God's hands. But don't put yourself back in a position where that will happen to you again. God gave you a brain, like my dad would always say, The Holy Spirit is your comforter and your encourager. But God gave you a brain, son. Use it. 
I can still hear him in exactly the tone he said that in because it was so true. How foolish would I be to empty my bank account and say God's my provider? That's not wise. That's not good stewardship of what he's given me. How foolish would it be for all of a sudden the, the Mississippi River to begin flooding and our delta begins flooding and water comes rushing throughout our neighborhoods and all of a sudden you go, I'm going to be okay, I'm not going to drown, God's got my back, God's got my... Get in the boat and get out of town! Use your brain! Even though I built an ark when he found out rain was coming. Hello? But forgive. Release them. Don't hold them to a standard you would not hold yourself to. Hello? That's what Jesus meant. With the same measure you judge them, then God says, okay, that's how I judge you. So what I do is I immediately think of the cross and go, wait a second. On my best day, I'm nothing compared to him. On my best day, I'm still a filthy sinner saved by grace. On my best day, I need his blood to cover my sins. On my best day, I still need a savior. So that's the measure I'm going to look at my brothers and sisters with. And that's the measure I'm going to look to those that are not yet family. I'm going to look at them with the eyes of Jesus, that he loved them like he loves me. Are you with me this morning? We are marked by forgiveness. Back to verse 14. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive yours. Aubrey, would you come? There's a story in the scripture that haunts me every time I read it. It's the story of the shrewd servant who had a debt to his master he could not pay. The Bible calls the debt insurmountable. The Bible calls the debt basically everything that he, could, that he owned now and would ever own, he, he had to give to his master. That basically his master owned him because of his debt. And he came before his master and pleaded for forgiveness and pleaded for the debt to be forgiven. And the master, being a good master, said, I release you from your debt. You owe me nothing. You are forgiven all your debt. That same day he left his master's room went to one of his servant laborers who owed him a day's wage remember he owed a lifetime he owed an eternity that he could not pay and his his brother only owed him a day's wage and he went to his brother and said settle the debt with me you owe me and his brother said i don't have it yet and he called the magistrates and threw his brother into prison until he paid off his debt. The master found out about this. And he had his servant arrested and imprisoned until he could pay off the debt. But he can't. It's eternal. It's insurmountable. Pastor David, why is that such a scary story? Because the metaphor is this that Jesus was trying to teach us. If you can't forgive 
someone of just offending you or just saying something cross to you or just mistreating you in a moment of your life, if you hold on to it and refuse to forgive them and refuse to release them and refuse to allow God to empty your heart of bitterness and anger and, 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 and offense towards them, if you can't forgive them of something that's earthly and will pass, why should he forgive you of a lifetime of sin? When Jesus came and gave his life to forgive you. Why do we hold on to things that are so petty and will pass tomorrow most of the time? But even if it doesn't pass tomorrow, maybe that really hurt. Maybe that person who should have been there did not show. That person who should have encouraged you did not encourage you. That person who should have been a blessing and brought nothing but more pain and brought nothing but more anxiety. And maybe that person who was a pastor in your life or a boss in your life or your father or your mother, they should have protected me. They should have covered me. They should have been there. They should have been what a father is, what a mother is, what a pastor is, what a good boss is. They should have been those things and they failed me. Okay. They did. They're human. But if you hold on to that, you know what you're saying? God, I'd rather miss heaven to keep this. Pastor David, that's that's exaggerated. No, it's not. Unforgiveness is one of Paul's listed things that you will give up heaven to hold on in your heart. Are you telling me, Pastor David, that if I don't forgive people in this life and I, and I die and I stand before God, I'll miss heaven? I didn't say it. He did. He did. Is that person and that memory and that thing you replay over and over and over and over and over and over and it torments you day after day after day after day? Is it worth heaven to you? Can you do what Jesus asked you to do? Love your enemies. Do good to those who love hurt you. Bless those who curse you. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Judge not so you won't be judged. For with the same measure of judgment you give, it will be given back to you. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Pastor David, why? Because we're family. You forgive your family. Moms, dads, you know what I'm talking about. They could spit in my face. My son could grow up and punch me across the jaw and say, you're dead to me, dad. And leave my house. But he's my son. Like the prodigal. He could, when the prodigal son came to his father and said, give me my inheritance now. You know what that means in that culture? You're already dead to me. You're already dead to me. So give me what would be mine as if you died right here. And he took his inheritance and, and, and just wasted it. And said, well, I can't even be a son anymore, so I'm going to go back and be a servant. And y'all know the story. His father stood on the porch and watched for him every day. Eventually... 
My son's coming home. And when he comes, I'm not going to judge him. I'm not going to abuse him. I'm not going to make him sleep with the pigs. I'm not going to put him in the servant quarters because that's my family. That's my son. Could he have been offended, Pastor David? Yes. Could he have cut his son off and never thought about him another day? Yes. Well, then why didn't he? He's family. That's what we do. We forgive. Well, Pastor David, they're not followers of Christ. They don't claim Jesus as their Savior. Then they're about to be family. You treat them as if they already were until they become. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't think I need to specify what kind of altar call this is. If any of this is tugging at your spirit right now, these altars are open. I just encourage you right here and right now, if there's an offense that you're holding on to, if there's some change you've wrapped around yourself, they're not worth your heaven. They're not worth your salvation. They're not worth your brain repeating those conversations. They're not worth your spirit being bound up and being heavy. Would you bring your chains to these altars and leave them there? And be free. For if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Forgive. And everywhere you go, forgiveness goes with you. Because we're family. If you do something to me, it's going to hurt. But I'm going to ask me, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me forgive you and release you. Why? Because I want him to forgive me the next time I make, make him upset. The next time I do something he's not proud of. The next time I may say one too many words. The next time I may have one too many actions. The next time I may be crossed that line I should not have crossed. Because I'm human like you are. I'm not perfect. Just because I have a pastor's heart in my wallet does not mean I'm holy. You know what that means? I passed a test. We're all equal here. At the foot of the cross, it's level ground. We all need a Savior. We all need forgiveness. We all need the blood. We all need to be holy. We all need to be righteous. We all need to forgive. We all need forgiveness. Because we're family. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe this morning you're online, you're watching, and you're like, wow, I never thought about any of this. I need to release some people. I need to let them go. If they never ask forgiveness, I don't care. I forgive them now because I'm tired of carrying this. These chains are weighing on me. They're cutting into me. They're binding me. They're, they're not letting me be free. Every moment of my day is, is, is now determined and defined by something somebody did to me maybe years ago. What have you wasted in your life holding on to something that should have been God's? Give it up. Let it go. Let go. Let God. Let go. Let God. Forgive so your Father can forgive you. These altars are open. If you want me to meet you for prayer, I'll meet you for prayer. But if you, if you right now in your heart are like, Pastor David, I've got something I'm holding on to. Or Pastor David, I think I'm good right now, but I want God to give me that extra covering so that next time when something happens, I don't react like that again. I don't react in anger. I don't react in harshness. I immediately react in forgiveness. I think we could all come to the altar for that.
But I'm not going to ask you to do anything that you don't feel led to do. And if you don't feel physically able to come forward, then right where you are, make your pew an altar. But in this moment, I just want to ask you, if you want to lay some stuff down physically and make a physical declaration, God, I choose to step out from where I am and come up and drop something at this altar. And knowing I did that, I can go back to my seat and go, I left it there. And I'm going to release them. And I'm going to forgive them because I want my father to forgive me. Because I have one father and I'm on a mission to spread the kingdom of God and the will of God. That his will be done and his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Which means I am an agent of reconciliation. Reconciliation means I forgive. I forgive. As Aubrey leads us in a song. If you need to come to this altar... I can meet you or I can let you be. If you want to kneel at your pew, kneel at your pew. But for the next two minutes, let's pray. Give all the